0: So, Father, we thank you that we are here tonight to study Isaiah. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this time in the study of your word. And I pray that we would be attentive. Uh, I thank you for the wonderful time of worship, to be able to just come and draw close to you. And and Lord, uh, to do that work and preparing our hearts to hear now your word. And I pray that um, your word would touch our hearts, you would speak to us Um, as we continue through this incredible book of Isaiah. And uh, help us be attentive to the things that you want to show us and that you want to teach us um, here tonight. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we read in Isaiah chapter 7, Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, son of Jotham, the the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, the reason king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying, "Serious forces are deployed in Ephraim. So his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. So as we open up chapter 7, of course, last week we saw that Isaiah would begin his ministry in the year that King Uzziah died. Uh, Isaiah, this book opens up in verse 1 of Isaiah, the visions that he had during the reign of Uzziah and then also during the reign of uh, um, after Uzziah was Jotham and then Ahaz and Hezekiah. And so here is Isaiah ministering for about 50 years, but his ministry actually did not end, as we discussed last week, until Uzziah actually died. And Uzziah, as we talked about how he was the king of Judah, that was a very good king. He reigned for 52 years. And we read in in chapter 6 that in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah had that vision. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he saw those angelic uh, uh, beings around the throne, uh, the seraphim, the, the burning ones is what it means. And they are crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And and of course, it was at that time that Isaiah was called to ministry. It was the voice of the Lord that he heard, saying, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, send me, you know, I will go. And, and so Isaiah beginning now this ministry in the first five chapters, of course, uh, tells how he would begin that ministry by bringing that indictment against Jerusalem and against Judah. He would also speak against the house of Israel in the beginning of his ministry. But later on, the house of Israel is going to be taken off into captivity by the Assyrians. And so Isaiah here, As he's begun his ministry in that year that King Uzziah died, then Jotham, his son, he would come on the throne and he would be a good king as well. So as you read about Uzziah's reign, as we talked about last time in 2 Kings chapter 15 and also in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, Uzziah was a king that for 52 years he brought the, the house of Judah, the southern kingdom, to a place that they were strong militarily. Uh, they were ones that, uh, that fortified their cities and made towers. He was an inventor of military weaponry Uh, He was one that uh, loved to work the the land, the soil, uh, as we are told in the scriptures. And so he would advance those practices agriculturally to where he made cisterns to collect water and aqueducts where the water would flow in the land. And also the, the house of Israel at the time that Uzziah is reigning was prospering economically. So externally, everything looked really good. And it would continue with Jotham, his son, who ruled for 16 years. So for 68 years, as you add up 52 years of Uzziah and then Jotham, his son, for 16 years, Things were, were, were good externally in the house of Judah. Matter of fact, during the time that Uzziah is reigning, that we know that Jeroboam II is reigning up in Israel, the 10 northern tribes, and as he's reigning, they are experiencing an economic boom as well. So externally, things looked good. You know, things were going well, but there was something that was very much wrong internally and spiritually, You see, there are some things, as you read about Uzziah, and we read about how he became prideful at the end of his life burning incense there in the temple. He wasn't supposed to do that. He was struck with leprosy. Jotham comes on the scene. He was a good king. So you think for 68 years, things were, were stable. There was security. And, and that's why I think that, that the people, when Uzziah died, they're thinking, what's going to happen to us? And especially when Jotham, his son, died, what's going to take place? We've experienced this prosperity and security for so long. But spiritually, there was corruption, You see, as you read the book of Isaiah, as we've already seen in the first five chapters, here comes Isaiah and he talks about there was a form of religiousness, but there was false worship. Uh, They were giving sacrifices. They were observing the Sabbath. They were saying the prayers. But the Lord, you might recall in chapter one, he said, I'm tired of your prayers. I'm not going to hear you because they were to pagan gods. They were mixing a little bit of Judaism in with the pagan practices. And, and we know that they were uh, giving themselves to idols, and they were burning incense to false gods. And so we have read about that, plus what was taking place as chapter 5, that series of woes that were given, that there was drunkenness, that was in the land, immorality, there was violence, there was corruption— There was a lot that was wrong spiritually. And I think one of the things that we need to pay attention when we go through the scriptures that Uzziah, when you read about him in 2 Kings chapter 15, it says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but something was happening. He allowed the high places to be kept. And the people were sacrificing and giving burnt incense to those high places. Now, most of you know what those high places were. Those were places of pagan worship. And after 52 years of him allowing that place of compromise to be kept in the land, people were going there and they were burning those incense. They were uh, practicing their false religion. And then then comes on the scene and we we read that in Second Kings chapter fifteen. When you go to verse thirty-five, that the same thing. He did not do away with those high places, which he was supposed to do as the leader. They were not to have those high places because God told them when they were still in the wilderness that when you go into the promised land, you don't just sacrifice anywhere. You don't just, you know, uh, burn incense anywhere. There's going to be a prescribed place. And that prescribed place at this time was where? At the temple in Jerusalem. And he said, Get rid of those wooden, you know, groves and those high places because they are places. Of idol worship, and what's going to be happening if they are kept, is there're going to be places of sin and immorality which ended up happening in a place of compromise. For 68 years, even though things externally looked good and were prospering, and people were, it seemed like that they were living the dream that internally and spiritually listen. This is important, that things were not right. And I think that there's some very important lessons in that for us to consider here tonight because there's lessons for us as a nation you know, as a nation, we can seem to be prospering economically and, and, and we're strong militarily. Um, things, you know, we trust in that. We think that's our security. We think that's our, our you know, strength is, is in, you know, what we've been able to have as a nation and, and go as a nation. But what have we seen over the last generation as a nation spiritually? We're getting further away from the Lord, aren't we? We're seeing great compromise. We're, we're in a nation and a culture now that more and more is saying to you and I that we don't want anything to do with Christianity. We don't want anything to do with the Bible. We don't want anything to do with Jesus. We want all of that out of our government. We want it out of our schools. We want it out of our courts. We don't want anything to do with it. Oh, we can say that as a nation we're religious, but we're not committed to the Lord. And so what happens to a nation when that corruption just continues? Because what is interesting, that it tells us that in 2 Chronicles chapter 27 with Jothan, when he comes on the scene, that it tells us that the people acted corruptly. They continue to do that. And what will happen to a people, what will happen to a nation, that if they turn away from the Lord and they continue down that road and acting corruptly, as we've seen a great decline morally and spiritually in our nation, then bad things are ahead. What do we see in the book of Judges? In the book of Judges, they did what was right in their own eyes. And when you read the book of Judges, you see that it goes from bad to worse to getting worse to where it was terrible when you get to the end of Judges. And that was a cycle that they were in for 400 years. So I want to remind us that, number one, we need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying for our leaders and continue to do that. We usually, we pray for economic prosperity. We pray for strength. Uh, We can pray for those things, but more than anything, what we need as a nation is to turn back to Jesus Christ and to the Lord. And we pray is what we are to do. Pray for that there's another great awakening and a true revival that happens. And what I see, that true revival happens when the word of God is being preached and the Gospels being preached. That is the hope of our nation. So number one, that's the application that we can make. But secondly, even as a church, you see, we've seen the church, even in our society and in our culture, begin to adopt those things which are wrong. A progressive church, you've heard that term. We're going to, to accept that culturally, any kind of lifestyle, any kind of, of religion. We're going to be all inclusive. Uh, we're going to you know, accept any kind of, of worship. And we see that. They may quote the Bible. They may teach certain parts of the Bible. But they don't really believe the whole of the Bible. And so we're seeing that great corruption come into, when I say the church, the church at large, that many are adopting those practices and those beliefs that really are abomination to the Lord. And I think that we all see that. It's amazing what happens you know, to you know, a generation ago where mainline denominations were standing on the word of God and teaching the word of God, but have completely abandoned the word of God and accepting all kinds of immorality and 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 all kinds of false worship and we see that growing and unfortunately i believe that we're even seeing it more in protestant evangelical churches as well so we need to be careful as a church that we don't allow that falseness to come in and compromise We need to stand on the word of God. Amen? We need to stand for righteousness. And you and I are going to be persecuted for that, just as Isaiah was persecuted for it, and Jeremiah was as well. But I want to bring it home a little bit closer to you and to me. Listen. Don't have any high places in your life. Those places of compromise. Don't have them in your life. Put them away. And what can happen to us that we can say, you know what? I'm following the Lord. I'll go to church. Uh, I'll listen. You know, uh, I'll, I'll even bring my Bible. But the question and honesty of your heart, are there high places in your life? Places of compromise. Places where there is sin that has taken place. Oh, I'll go to church on Sunday, but during the week, you know, you're going to find me at this place. Maybe at a place where you're hanging out or being involved in an activity or doing something that you know the Lord is dealing with you. Get rid of those high places of your life. And for 68 years, those high places were kept in the nation where people were going to, and they continue to to sacrifice unto idols, and immorality was taking place, and it brought great destruction to the nation. But because the time that Jothan he dies after those 68 years, the nation is plunged deep into idol worship and eastern mysticism. And Ahaz comes on the scene, in the scene, and he ruled for 16 years. He was a terrible king. He was probably the worst, him and Manasseh. And the nation became full of idols and pagan worship. And 2nd King tells us that even Ahaz sacrificed his own son on the arms of Moloch there in the Gehenna Valley. Set him on fire. Can you imagine that? He filled the, the, the temple full of idols. So here is during the days of Ahaz, all of a sudden, here is uh, Ahaz facing this threat. From Rezin and from Pekah, the kings of Syria and from the ten northern tribes the House of Israel, in Second Chronicles chapter 28 and Second Kings chapter 16 tells us that reason of Syria and Pekah of Israel came against Ahaz and Judah. Now during that time, it was very, very difficult because Ahaz lost one hundred and twenty thousand soldiers when Syria and, and Israel came and began to come against Judah. 200,000 people were taken away to Israel, away captive, and so all these things that were taking place, they 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 captured Eloth. Eloth was down in the southern part by the Red Sea. It's it's a city today, it's actually a resort area in Israel where many Israelis and people from all over the world come on vacation. And it was during the time of Uzziah that he had captured those cities of uh, the Philistines in Eloth, and he would fortify it, and it was lost. During that time to Syria and to Israel. So they're going through a very, very difficult time. And it tells us here that they want to come against Jerusalem, as we read, and against Ahaz and kill him, but they're not going to prevail, Uh, They're close. They're in Ephraim. They defeated, you know, again, some of the cities of Judah. They took some of the people away captive. Uh, That 300,000 men army of Judah that Uzziah had standing with spears, all of a sudden it's been decimated. And they find themselves being in bondage. And you see, that's what compromise and sin will do. Will you always remember that? It will bring you to bondage and it will bring sorrow in your life. And here the people, their hearts are full of fear, moved as the trees of the wind. They were terrified during this time. So, verse 3, the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Shabub, Shabhub, your son, how would you like to have that name? Uh, His name actually means a remnant will return. And you go to the aqueduct from the upper pool and the highway to the Fuller's Field. So what uh, Isaiah was told is you go out and you meet Ahaz. He's there. Uh, He's checking the, the aqueduct from the upper pool, the highway to Fuller's Field. He's checking the water supply. Because when the enemy came against you in ancient times, the first thing that they would go after is they would go after to water supply. Usually the water supply at this time was outside the city, and a lot of times it would be outside of a fortified city. That's why Hezekiah later on, when the Assyrians are flexing their muscle, which they're beginning to do at this time, when they come against Jerusalem, he knew that was going to happen, that he had prepared to bring the water supply inside the city walls of Jerusalem. And so he, he built this tunnel. You can actually, some of you that went with us to Israel, went through Hezekiah's tunnel. I and it met the, the upper aqueduct there uh, of the springs down to the lower Gihon Springs and it met together and it formed into the pool of Siloam, which you can actually go to right now. You can see they've excavated it and they brought the water inside of the city wall of Jerusalem. It's a fascinating place to go to. They've only excavated a small part of it because some of it is under private land and the, the landowners won't give it to Israel. To be Able to dig, but that's the actual spot where Jesus healed that man in John chapter 9 that was born blind. He put mud in his eyes and told him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent, and he did, and he came up seeing. So it's a fascinating place and and, uh, a feat of engineering that unheard of that, that Hezekiah did in his day that we don't have time to go into it. We'll go into it at another time. But here is Ahaz. He's checking the water supply because you can go about three days without water and then you're in big trouble and you're facing death. And while he's there, Isaiah comes to him. And by the way, when the enemy comes against you, One of the first places that he's going to attack you, try to stumble you in and take you away from, is being washed with the water of the word. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, husbands, washing your wife with the water of the word. We're told by Jesus, he said to his disciples, you're clean by the words that I have given to you. And we know that there's a washing that takes place as we take in the word of God. Because I don't know about you, I'm sure you kind of feel this way, I do, that there's so much dirt and dust and pollution and crud all around us that that we hear and that we see in the world. And it's very important at the end of the day, the beginning of your day, you're washing yourself with the water of the word, that you're taking in the word of God. And if you're not, you're going to find yourself being dusty and dry and and the enemy is going to be more vulnerable to come and get a foothold into your life I cannot emphasize enough the importance of having daily devotions and reading your Bible and continuing in the scriptures now I commend you guys for coming out on a Wednesday night but I want to encourage you do not stop taking in the word of God and watching yourself with the word of God Because there's a renewing of your mind. Don't be uh, conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind that you may know what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Continue to read your Bible every single day. Don't put your Bible on the shelf. Don't have the mindset, well, you know, I went to Bible study for a little bit and it was great, or I went to a lady study, or, you know, I've been going to that Calvary place, and, you know, and he teaches through the Bible. I've done all that. Continue to grow in the word of God and wash yourself with the word of God. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself just being dusty and dirty and just the grime of the world's going to be all over you. It's kind of like, you know, pretty much every day we wash ourselves, don't we? Taking a bath or a shower. And if we go a week or two weeks, we're going to be a little bit, you know, not smelling very good and a little bit reeking and dirty and dusty. Well, that's true physically. That's obvious spiritually. Listen, if you're only reading your Bible once a week or once every couple weeks or coming to service and taking in Bible study, guess what's happening during the rest of the time? You're taking in the grime and the dirt of the world that's all around us, and it is. We can't g- get away from it. So make sure that you are washing yourself with the water of the word. So there at the water supplies, you go and meet him. Take your son with you, and verse 4, and say to him, take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted, For these two stubs of smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger uh, reason of and Syria, and the son of Ramalia... So they're not going to prevail. That's what you're to tell Ahaz that they're not going to come. They're not going to kill you. Verse 5 Because Syria and Ephraim and the sons of rumelia have plotted evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in the wall for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of. Of So you can understand why the people are very much frightened. 200,000 people have already been taken off into captivity. 120,000 soldiers have already been been killed. You know, the cities of Judah up towards the north have been, you know, captured and broken through. And now they're wanting to come to Jerusalem. And the people in Jerusalem are fearful. Here's Ahaz he's fearful because he knows that the king of Syria and the king of Israel wants to kill him, and they're hoping probably if we kill Ahaz and put our own king on, a puppet king, then we can form this three-nation alliance and come against another threat, which is the Assyrians that are beginning to flex their muscle at this time. So you go and tell Ahaz, this terrible king, that God's going to show mercy, and it's not going to happen, this attack against you. It's not going to take place. And in verse four, you might want to write down in your notes, they will not prevail. So what are you to do to take heed, first of all? Take heed. Ahaz, take heed. And it's a message for all of us here tonight. Because maybe you might be facing things that are difficult and scary in your life right now. You may be just wondering what's going to happen in the week ahead or a month or six months during the holiday season as we'll be entering into a new year, 2018. And the Lord says, first of all, take heed. That is, take care of yourselves spiritually. We've heard that before recently, haven't we? Luke chapter 21, Olivet Discourse, Jesus finishes the teaching by saying that you guys make sure you take heed to yourselves. And that means take heed to yourselves spiritually. And we're told throughout the New Testament to do that, even as Timothy was told that Timothy, by Paul the Apostle, he said, make sure that you take heed to yourself. Be an example to the believers in word and in conduct and behavior and purity and faith and love. Be an example in that. And you and I, we are to take heed to ourselves spiritually, washing ourselves with the water of the word, staying close to the Lord, seeking him. We are to make sure that we are ones that are staying in fellowship with one another. You know, people ask me all the time, how do I become stronger in my faith or my walk with the Lord or, you know, something like that? And I tell them what we have looked at, that the early church, those Christians, continue steadfastly in those four things. Remember? In the Word of God, in prayer, in breaking bread, and, come on, guys, fellowship, right? Those four things. And... The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved and they turned the world upside down because they continued in those four things and that's what we are to do as a church and that's what we are to do as individuals. So continue in those things. Take heed to yourselves spiritually. Even as Paul would say to the Ephesian elders there in Acts chapter 20 that you take heed to yourselves and then minister to the flock of God which he purchased with his own blood. In other words, when it comes to your walk with the Lord, when it comes to your ministry, take heed to yourself. And Jesus said, pray and watch always. Don't be like those who dwell on the face of the earth that that day is he been talking about what was going to take place, that it overtakes you. Don't get weighed down with carousing and with drunkenness and the cares of this life. And every single one of us, we have cares of this life that can begin to choke out our spiritual lives because we get so so caught up in in responsibilities and jobs and businesses. I know that. And you guys work hard and raising kids and paying the bills. But there's so much that comes into our lives that can really begin to choke out our spiritual lives. So we need to be careful and take heed. So number one, take heed. Second of all, he says, be quiet. Oh, I know that's a word that the Lord tells me. Jeff, you need to be quiet. Quit your fussing. Quit, you know, being anxious all the time. You know, trying to figure out what you're going to do because here is Ahaz. He's not going to believe the word of the Lord. And Ahaz is running around trying to figure out what he's going to do to keep this attack from happening. And the scripture says that we are to be still and know that I am God. And there are times in our lives where we need to be still and know that he is God. That, Lord, you're gonna, you know, have to work in this because I can't figure it out. And the Lord wants us to come to him at all times, but he teaches us in those very difficult times that when we realize, just as the children of Israel that had two mountain ranges on both sides and the sea to their backs, And they looked at those chariots coming at them, and it was Moses that said, be still, right, and see the salvation of the Lord. For you won't see the Egyptians anymore after this day. And the Lord is going to make a way, and he's going to be faithful to his promises, and he's going to work in your life, and we need to be still and know that he is God and to listen to him the still small voice of the Lord speaking to us. Oftentimes, the Lord sometimes, I know he does with me, he might get you up in the middle of the night, right? So if he gets you up in the middle of the night or you can't sleep, chances are he's wanting to speak to you. And I know it's in those times, oftentimes, that it's quiet, that there isn't the noise. And it can be a very special time. So, if he does that with you, whatever quiet time he has, you know, he gets you up at night, go spend some time with him. Don't go watch info commercials, all right? Or, you know, take a midnight snack or whatever. You can have that later. But spend some time with the Lord in those quiet times. Thirdly, he says, don't be afraid. He said, don't fear. And he's saying, don't fear because Ahaz is full of fear. And all throughout the scriptures, we see that the message of the Lord given to us is don't be afraid. And Ahaz, you don't have to be afraid because here's the word of the Lord that is given. This attack isn't going to happen. Let's continue here in verse 7. Thus says the Lord God, this is the word. It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Samaria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is a reason. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken so that it will not be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Romalia's son. And if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. And moreover, in verse 10, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. And then he said, Hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you worry my God also? In verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. That behold... The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. There's so much to, to learn from this story as Ahaz, this king that wasn't right with the Lord. He's full of fear. They're experiencing the consequences of their rebellion against the Lord. It's a very dark time. It's a very difficult time. And here the message comes to him that Isaiah speaking this prophecy. It's about seven 34 BC it's 2 years uh, after that that reason is going to be killed and Damascus is going to be taken by the Assyrians it would be 2 years after that that those two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan River the tribe of Gad the tribe of Reuben and half of the tribe of Manasseh they would be taken off into captivity by the Assyrians and then 10 years after that the 10 all of the 10 northern tribes of the house of israel is taken off into captivity and then by 669 bc 65 years after these words were spoken ephraim which is a name for the ten northern tribes were pretty much wiped out the assyrians were brutal they would torture the people that they captured we've talked about that how they skinned people alive they would take the corpse of of people and put them on these these posts and line the whole road with them, And so if you came by, you knew that the Assyrians were there. And whole villages and towns, when they heard that the Assyrians were coming, they were so full of fear that they would get up and they would just move. They, they would go find another place to go live away from the threat, or they would commit suicide. That's how brutal the Assyrians were. And they're beginning to flex their muscle here. But Ahaz, right now, he's afraid of, of reason and pika. And, and all of a sudden, he's told that Ahaz, quit trying to figure out what to do, come up with a solution in your own understanding, and your own strength. And verse 9, underline it, if you do not believe the word that's given to you, you shall not be established. Here is Isaiah saying to him, ask for a sign, Ahaz, Ask for a sign, ask it in heaven, you know, ask it, you know, either in the depth or in the height above. Uh, And here Ahaz says, well, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to test the Lord. He's not saying that out of humility, he's saying that out of rebellion. He was in rebellion against the Lord, and he was determined he was going to try to figure it out and come up with his own solution. And you know what he ended up doing? This is what he ended up doing. Second Kings chapter sixteen, he makes an alliance with the Assyrians, and he says, "Hey, can you help me out?" He makes a peace treaty with the enemy, and what happens is, is the Assyrian Tiglath-Pileser, who was the king, comes. And he takes Damascus and he kills the king of Syria. He's sitting on the throne there in Damascus. And we read in Second Kings chapter 16 that Ahaz goes and pays him a visit to thank him, to pay tribute to him. And that was unheard of in those days that you know the kings traveled and saw and visited one another. Today, it's not unusual. You, know, you have leaders of nations flying around and meeting one another and all of this. But it wasn't so in that way. And here is Ahaz. He goes up to see Tiglath-Pileser, who's sitting on the throne in Syria, to thank him. And then here is the king of Assyria. He has this pagan idol that's there. And Ahaz sees it, and he says, I like that. I'm going to have my priest come up and make a copy of it and we're going to put it in the temple in Jerusalem and that's what ended up happening. And there's another lesson in that for us because here all of a sudden the house of the Lord is being filled with these idols and this thing that Ahaz saw and he said, I like that as the the king of Assyria is paying tribute to that idol and burning incense to it, Ahaz does the same thing and says, I want to bring it to the house of the Lord. Listen. We need to be careful that we don't allow those things that maybe the world looks at and says that's cool, that's relevant, that, that is you know, something that um, we want to bring into the house of the Lord. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it where pastors, you know, hey, we got to reach the young people, so why don't we get them here and we'll just bring in all this secular music and, and worldly stuff into the church. And I don't know about you, when I come here, I want to get away from the world. And I'm sure you guys do too. We got enough of the world out there. And the church needs to be a sanctuary where we get away from the world. We want those of the world to come, but we're going to call them to repentance, aren't we? and give them the truth, but we don't want to compromise and bring those things in that the world may say, man, this is relevant, this is cool, this looks good. Bring those idols into the house of the Lord. This is a place where he is to be revered and honored in every single way. So Ahaz does that, but here's the thing as well, what happened. Hezekiah, he's a good king. He was an awesome king. And when the Assyrians take off the 10 northern tribes, they make their way into Judah. They're taking some of the cities captive in Judah. Again, this is a difficult time that's happening here, a very fearful time. Hezekiah, in his fear, that what he does is he takes some of the gold and the silver off of the the temple, and he pays off the king of Assyria, Shennacherib, and he says, please don't attack me. The king of Assyria takes the goods, the gold and the silver, and then he attacks Jude, you know, Jerusalem. But God intervened because Hezekiah learned his lesson and as Shennacherib, as we're gonna le- read later on in the book of Isaiah, as he surrounds Jerusalem with all his soldiers and he's hurling threats at Hezekiah, who's this God, Hezekiah, that you believe in? Who's this God that you're telling the people to trust in? No other gods of the other nations have been able to stop us, and neither will your God. Well, he found out he was wrong. Because the Lord, as Hezekiah at that time, he would take the, the, the note and the letter, that Sennacherib and the threats that were written down, and he laid it out in the temple, and he prayed to the Lord, and so did the elders, and they fasted. And an angel came and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. And that was pretty much the end of the Assyrian army. So what can we learn from that? Do not make a peace treaty with the enemy, folks. Whether you're scared or whether you think this is a good idea, this will help me, that's what Ahaz is thinking, because the enemy is going to come at you. And whatever you try to give to him to appease him, he'll take the goods, but he's going to come at you and he's going to try to surround you, and he's going to threaten you and accuse you. He's going to come at you. Do not make a peace treaty with the enemy. We are to trust in the Lord, and we can do that out of fear or out of our own understanding to try to to figure things out, to try to come up with a solution. And Ahaz, Ahaz asked for a sign. The Lord is saying, will you just believe in me? And if you don't believe the word of the Lord, you will not be established. You will not be established. Listen. The reason I said underline that there in verse nine is this is true for you and for me today. If we do not believe the word of the Lord, you will not be established. You'll be tossed to and fro. You'll be un you know decisive. You'll be struggling. You'll be wondering. And he desires for us to be established in him and his word. Listen, this attack is not going to happen. You don't have to be afraid. Take heed to yourself. You you need to make sure that you're still and hearing from the Lord. And if you don't do that, and if you don't believe the word of the Lord given to you, you will not be established. You will not be established. Paul the Apostle, when you go to the book of Acts chapter 18, that Paul the Apostle, when he comes into Corinth, you read about how he came there. And he's there at the synagogue and they kicked him out. You know, the synagogue was very much against Paul in this ministry. So, you know, Paul says, Well, you know, hey, I'm shaking the dust off my, you know, feet and I'm going to go next door. He would go next door to a house next to the synagogue. The guy who owned the house was justice, and all of a sudden revival breaks out. And then what happens is Crispus, the ruler of that synagogue that he was thrown out of. He comes over and he gets saved. And I just pictured that, you know, here is Paul. He goes over, I'm going to go to the Gentiles, you know, shaking the dust off his feet. He goes right next door to Justice House. Revival breaks out. Here is Crispus. He's hearing the Christians sing the praises of the Lord and the grace of God. And he knows there's something to this. And he goes over and gets saved. But it's after that, that as you read in First Corinthians chapter 18, that the Lord comes to Paul in a vision and says, don't be afraid, Paul. Don't be afraid. Why? Because Paul was afraid. Paul had a very difficult missionary journey. mission. Journey number two, he was in Philippi. He got beaten with rods, thrown in prison. He goes to Thessalonica, where he's run out of Thessalonica after three Sabbaths. He goes to Berea. He goes to Athens, where he's mocked. And he comes to Corinth, and he writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. He says, you know that when I first came to you, I came in much weakness and trembling. In other words, he was saying, I came to you. I was one beat up hired missionary, and he's afraid because he's thinking it's just a matter of time before he's going to get beat up again, or he's going to be persecuted. And the Lord comes to him and says, Paul, don't be afraid. You keep speaking. Don't keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there for a year and six months, a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. In other words, Paul was established because he believed in the word that was given to him. He was able to continue on for a year and a half. That was a long time for Paul to stay in any city. And he received and believed in the presence of the Lord, that promise given to him, and the protection of the Lord. And here is Ahaz receiving that same promise that these guys are not going to hurt you. And if you don't believe the word of the Lord, here's the promise and a sign given to you that, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, we're familiar with that verse, right? And we'll probably be reading it around Christmas time and, and we'll be, you know, reading the Christmas story and it's such a magnificent story, isn't it? Because you see in Luke chapter two, in those days uh, Caesar Augustus makes his decree that all the world should be registered for new taxes and a census is going to be given. The people are very much afraid as well. They were afraid of Rome that had blungeoned everybody into submission. They were afraid of Herod the Great, who was just a, a terrible, cruel king of Judea. And we know that when the Magi came, according to Matthew's narrative, that when they were asking, you know, he was, who are these Magi's? I want to see them. And they said, there's a new king of Israel. We come to worship him. That Herod was troubled. And then it tells us that Jerusalem was troubled. You know why Jerusalem was troubled? Because he's going to do something crazy. And he's going to do something that's going to... Really be cruel, and he did. He made that decree to have all the male children two years and under killed in Bethlehem. The people were afraid. They were afraid of the religious leaders. And all of a sudden, here comes on that night that the very first message to those angels out in that field, you know what it is, is don't be afraid. For born unto you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to all people You see, not just to Israel, but for all of us, as the fulfillment, as they were told, that you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, I want you to remember this, that you have the promise of the Lord and the word of the Lord given to you. And maybe, again, you're here tonight, and you're afraid or you're in a circumstance where you're trying to figure things out, I want you to know that the Lord wants you to believe his word, that he'll never leave you or forsake you, that he loves you, that his promises are true for you. You have the promise of his presence, even as Paul did. You have the promise of his help. I love what David writes in Psalm 40. David writes in that Psalm, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry and also brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and has established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth and praise to our God, and many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. And blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. You trust in him and you rest in him and he's going to establish your steps. If you do not believe the word of the Lord, if I do not believe the word of the Lord, we will not be established. But again, we'll be tossed to and fro. Emmanuel, Ahaz, God is with us. Will you turn to him? And he refused to do it. And I pray for us that we would know that he is with us. And he's going to come through. And he's going to establish us as we look to him and trust in him and what he says to us. So as we continue here, let's finish very quickly, only a couple more minutes here, but he continues in verse 15, curds and honey he shall eat, and he may know the refuge, the evil, and choose the good. And for before the child, verse 16, shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Uh, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. In other words, that he chose the good, um, the only one that was good. And when he came, there was, neither kingdoms had a king. It was Rome that was ruling over them. And then the Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house, days that have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will whistle for the fly that is the farthest part of the rivers of Egypt, and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria they will come, and all of them will rest in the desolate valleys and in the cliffs of the rocks, and all thorns and in all pastures and in the same day the Lord will shave with a hired razor and with those from beyond the river with the king of Assyria the head and the hair of the legs and will also remove the beard and it shall be in that day verse 21 that a man will be uh, keep alive a young cow and two sheep so it shall be from the abundance of milk they give that he will eat curds for curds and honey everyone will eat who is left in the land. And it shall happen in that day that wherever there could be a thousand vines worth a thousand shekels of silver, your prosperity, remember, they were going through that, there's going to be briars and thorns. With arrows and bows, uh, men will come there because all the land will become briars and thorns. And to any hill which could be dug with the hoe, For you will not go there for fear of briars and thorns, and it will become a range for oxen and a place for sheep to roam. What is being said that you're trusting the Assyrians, okay, this is what's going to happen. They're going to come at you. You're looking for peace. You're not going to have that peace. And the Assyrians are not going to leave you alone. And Egypt (laughs) is going to come at you as well. They're going to come from the south, the Assyrians from the north, and they're going to squeeze you in the middle. And you see, that's what happens to us if we're not establishing the word, trusting in the Lord. The world and Satan is just going to squeeze you in life. And we see that he goes on and he says, the land's going to be desolate. The land that was once prosperous. Verse 20, men are going to be shaved and that was a humiliating thing to happen to them. And the enemy, listen, the enemy wants to humiliate you, to make you barren. So be established in him. Don't make a peace treaty with the enemy because he's still going to come at you. And you look to the Lord. Emmanuel, God is with us. And it's true today. He's with you desiring to work and for you to be established your steps as you trust in him. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this chapter, another powerful chapter of Isaiah that reminds us of things that, Lord, perhaps that we need to be exhorted in constantly and continually. And, Father, I thank you that this is written down for us so that we can learn to be established in you, to trust in you, to not have those high places in our lives because those are places where we can act correctly, Corruptly, the temptation comes. We get away from you. And and Lord, we want to do away with them. So Lord, I just pray right now, as we just got a few minutes left, I know it's getting late and people are tired. Is there a high place in your life? A place of temptation that takes you away from the Lord? You know the Lord's been dealing with you about it. Will you go to him and say, Lord, I, I want to just tear down this high place. I want to get rid of it. I don't want it to be a place where carnality comes, temptation comes my way. But I want to be in that place of safety and security. And that is in your word and taking heed to myself spiritually. To be still and to hear your voice. To guide me and direct me in every way. Lord, I pray that you would help me to understand that you're with me always. And Lord, you want to work. And maybe you're here tonight and you're afraid. And the Lord says to you, you don't have to be afraid. Matter of fact, that promise not to be afraid that is given to us, that that exhortation, is told to us 365 times in the Bible. One for each day. And Lord, our hearts can melt and the uncertainty and it begins to grip our hearts at fear. Lord, we want to be established in you. And the way to be established is in you is first of all to receive the gospel of coming to Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us, who came and tabernacled among us to be with us. Emmanuel born of a virgin. But he came to die for us, that we can be forgiven and receive eternal life as we come to him in faith. And that's why Paul would write when he went to Corinth that that I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's what we want to preach here. That Jesus came and died for your sins and he is your salvation. He is your hope. He is everything. And the world is going to leave you barren and dry and in bondage and deceive you. And you will not be established in the world. You might think that you will be. But it's just a matter of time before you see the deception and the barrenness of the world come into your life. And I pray that you would understand that Jesus is the living waters for you to drink of. And be refreshed every day as you're washed with the water of the word. So I pray for the one who may be listening that you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Will you do that and come in faith and come to the cross? You can come and say, Jesus, I I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And I believe you died on that cross for me. And you rose again and you're alive because you're speaking to my heart. And I know the gospel is real, so I now give my life to you and ask you to be my personal Lord and Savior. To turn away from my sin and come and be surrendered to you. To walk with you, to know you, to receive forgiveness and this new beginning. I thank you in Jesus' name. And if anybody here, you did pray that prayer, when we finish, I want you to come up and tell me the decision you made. I want to encourage you and bless you, but also for all of us here, that tonight may we leave here being established in you because we trust in you and your word, Lord. So Lord, I thank you for tonight's lesson and to remember that Emmanuel, God, is with us. May your peace be with us May you establish our steps as we trust in you. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. I thank you for tonight. Take us all home safely. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't he? Would you please stand?